Our 40 minutes are the best ones, I think, like by and large, because I think it's just absolute pith the whole way through. That's got to be the opening soundbite for the pod. Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Bruce Fitzpatrick. Hello. You didn't do your usual hacking it back when you started that, Tom, but... Um, back! He's working on it, isn't it? good he? to be He's here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to reel it in. And Sam Williams. Greetings, gentlemen. How are we all? Good. I'm, uh, yeah. I've got a little bit of a husky voice. I've had a little bit of a party weekend down on the Kent coast playing some golf. Sounds so tough. A, I feel like I'm along for the ride on this one a little bit. I must admit, <laughs> there's, I feel like I've missed probably one of the best weekends golf mm. for a while. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack here. And it's it's nice getting back into, or I'm looking forward to getting back into the um, the sort of dissection of the professional tours, which we haven't done in quite some time. And um, yeah, as you said, quite an exciting weekend of golf. Even last weekend, mm. lot to cover. It's been take central as well, hasn't it? No shortage of sound bites. Mm. And Bruce so, wants to get pith, which I'm not actually sure what that even means, but there we go. Let's go. Is that the middle of an orange pith? <laughs> no, pithy remarks, you know, just sort of uh, succinct. Um, no, I think, yeah. Wow. That was, that was a shocking start. No, I think, yeah. Um, <laughs> clearly, clearly I'm a little bit out of practice. Uh, no, let's, let's just read through the sort of menu um, okay. for today, I think, because... You know, everyone What's in the jar, we're prone, prone to going off on the old tangent or two or, or going down a rabbit hole and just not really finding our way back. So come on, Let's Thomas. Let's set some sort of agenda. So we've got, a couple of weeks ago, we got Ram at the American Express. We need to we need to give this a bit of love when he decided to call yeah. it. Uh, well, we won't go into it. We'll talk about Ram the American Express. Knees touching. The same week, Tyrrell Hatton loses his mind about the 18th at Yaz Links. Needs to be talked about. Then we've got what's gone on recently in, in the Dubai Classic with uh, Victor taking the lead there. We've got List over at the Farmers taking it down the 18th in the playoff hole. We've got the Ryder Cup captaincy, which has been delayed, which we're going to have a talk about. And then what the Shark is up to in uh, the Saudi-backed golf league and what that's sort of been evolving into and we'll give it all a little take and we'll just see what bruce can get really excited about and who he can yeah. attack and then use that as a soundbite somewhere can i be a bit more pithy no precious i'm going to suggest it's it's an appetizer of some pretty poor takes by the pros quite a nice main course of some good professional golf and for dessert we're going to be serving some stuff off the course in the form of Ryder cup captaincy that was pith mm. and the saudi golf league was that a bit more pithy? I, I think mine was mine was mine was more mm. robust. Touch, let us know your views. Always curious, curious to know. As we're saying, we want some emotion, some some real vigorous expression in this. But uh, equally, uh, let's not lose sight of the fact that there were four really big events played there, and there were winners, yeah. and just general a general sort of setting of the scene. I think it, it almost feels like for the for the season to come. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to to recap there. So maybe if we just go back to last weekend, um, the first Rolex series event of the year, if I'm not mistaken, um, at Yasling, yes. Abu, Abu Dhabi, new venue. Um, don't know what you guys reckon. I mean, Sam, clearly you've not prepared for this podcast and watched any of the uh, golf, but you just, you know, <laughs> from what you've seen on social media, what did you reckon? Well, no, actually, we I did to? have a little chat with um, Richie Ramsey about the course. Um, spoiler alert for a, an upcoming Eclectic 18 podcast there, by the way, um, before he headed out to play. And, you know, he was like, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, he, it felt like it was a refreshing take from where it's usually played. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought it was good fun, wasn't it? I thought the best part was without doubt watching them on, I want to say it was the Friday and seeing Michael mm -hmm. come off the course going, I'm I'm so glad to be off the course mm -hmm. right now. Um, when the wind was no, up. They, they were totally leveled by it, weren't they? Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it looked like a really good test, didn't it? It was nice to see. Um, I'll I, I tell you what, watching that Friday, because uh, I, I kind of watched Rory made the cut on the on the line. Yeah, I think the, the, the cut came in at like plus, four, plus one or something like that. Um, but I, Rory just made the cut. 
but I was watching um, Rafa Cabrera Bayo around on that Friday, and it was genuinely like an exhibition in how you play in the wind. Like everything was knocked down, like chippy little two irons. Like everything was going head height. You could see he was just half swinging everything. It was proper, proper links or wind golf. Mm. And it was, it was an exhibition in ball striking, really. I, I was really impressed when I was watching him go around that Friday. But it was brilliant to watch them struggle because it's such a level of the wind, isn't it? Yeah, it just makes it interesting, doesn't it? And I, again, not to sort of flog that dead horse, which I guess, the, you know, everyone's going to be anticipating this. But, yeah, you compare it to the Amex over at PGA West mm. or La Quinta or whatever it's called. It just It was just a more enjoyable test of golf to watch i think as you say they're watching the pros struggle like you don't mm. normally see them struggle actually so here someone like rory say yeah, that's pretty much the hardest round of golf competitive golf that he's played um yeah we don't need that every week we don't want it to become because there is an element that you know it becomes a bit comical and maybe the skills sort of not really um as ident you know it's not as identifiable when there's, there's quite a bit of luck involved as you're saying there tom but I mean, we like to see that now and then, and particularly when you've got such a good field as we had in the in the event at Abu Dhabi. Um, I thought it was pretty compelling viewing too. Always nice to see, um, you know, a, a, a great player from a few years ago who struggled a bit make a resurgence, and that's exactly what Thomas Peters did. I mean, he seems like he's had a relatively quiet year. I know he won mm. um, back end of last season, but given that he really hit the heights of of kind of you know being the best, one of the best players in the world, and like a you know, fantastic rookie record at Hazeltine, I think in 2016, he's kind of gone a bit quiet. So to see him pull through in like a really close contest. Um, and yeah, and it's sort of Rafa Cabrera Bayo as well, as you mentioned there, Mills, he's sort of making his way back. So hopefully those two guys can keep it going for the season ahead. And then a sort of somewhat more like, like local favorite in Shabanka Sharma, um, yeah, it was it was just compelling viewing. Like, yeah, they're not the the sort of biggest names in golf, but they are still still big names. Or yeah, there's an interesting story there in the, in the case of Sharma. It was just like, yeah, I'm I kind of sat down and, and watched a good good chunk of it on Sunday, which I, I don't normally do when it comes to professional golf. So I felt like, yeah, I felt like that was sort of worth worth sitting up and taking notice of. I need to walk back my statement slightly. It was plus three was the cut, and that's what um, that's what McElroy went through on. Um, but go ahead, Sam. That was a uh... I just need to correct myself on these things. <laughs> um, Always fact-checking. So the one thing that happened, that was, I mean, coming back, bring us back on point here, though. Last couple of weeks felt like a good opportunity for the for the players to just have their two penneth on the golf course. Yeah. It didn't hit, quite hit the ear right, did it, with Hatton? I think it's fair to say. Um, I don't think anyone's no. surprised that Till would be the guy, but um Yeah. Just, just, just to refresh our memories, this was the centerline bunker down 18, wasn't it? Which is a monstrous golf hole anyway. They were all struggling to reach it in two for the vast majority of the week. Um, you know well, that yeah. when you step up on the tee, you probably, the idea of a centerline bunker is that you probably lay short of it or you, th or you plot your way around it. If you, if you go and pull driver and shove it straight in the middle of the trap, kind of what do you expect? Well, and then it was I'll read you next, sir. Um, it must be one of the worst par fives that I've ever seen in my life. And over the last two days, I've clearly played it about as well as it was designed. Hatton said on the Saturday. What's wrong with it? Where do you start? It shouldn't have a bunker in the middle of the fairway, and it shouldn't be over 600 yards from the forward tee. If you hit a good drive as a pro, you should at least have a chance to go for the green in two. Otherwise, the hole becomes a par three, and that's if you play it well. There I mean, go. I don't see the problem in a par three being a three shot, a par five being a three shotter. Uh, I don't see the problem in a centerline fairway because if you if you hit it down the middle of the fairway and it goes in the bunker, you haven't hit it down the middle of the fairway. Mm. You've hit it into a bunker. It's asking you a question: go round it, go over it, go short of it. It's the kind of thing that we as amateur golfers do is like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to hit step up and slot this thing at that bunker because there's no way I'm going to hit it straight. If I pull it slightly, <laughs> yeah. I'll be in the fairway. And if I push it slightly, I'll be in the fairway. But yeah, it's not, it's not a brilliant take. I guess maybe it's just a sort of, yeah, kind of proof of how pros just 
have become accustomed to just nailing par fives yeah. in two. Um, and yeah, there's, there's definitely a risk reward element, I think. And if you are making it so long that there's no, there's no reward there, like you literally can't get it up in two, which actually wasn't the case because Rory had to go for it. And, um, you know, there were a couple of other people who got there during the week, but I have a, yeah, I think it's just a bad take, isn't it? I yeah. mean, clearly, clearly Tyrrell's not been reading, uh, Dokes anatomy of the golf course has he but you know why there's a bit tries? more to it um he finishes with the the lovely bit i would love for a bomb to drop on it and blow it to oblivion to be honest yeah. <laughs> it's such mm. a terrible finishing hole and the fact they moved the tee back today it's ridiculous i hit a really good tee shot and still got 290 to the front i could peg up driver again and still not get there i mean he goes on he, the rant continues really? but mm, when you go I mean, back let's, to let's think sounds about... like he's on the fence with this one <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like he made seven nine there, uh, you know, on Friday and Saturday. Um, yeah, it's so obviously in the, in the melee of the last couple of weeks, some things have skipped by. Someone remind me exactly what Ram's remarks were regarding. Well, I think we've got a soundbite which week. we're going to be able to play actually. Piece of shit fucking set up putting contest week. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, at least Tyrrell Tyr- Tyr- was able to put it in a, in a, in a coherent sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, different. I it's weird, right? That the argument that was on like the same weekend, opposite and opposite sides of the planet, about completely different things. So Tyrrell saying it's too long and too hard. And Ram is saying it's too easy and too it's open. too wide and it's yeah. too short and every just reverts to a putting contest. Like they are polar opposite complaints from the two guys. Mm. Just remarkable stuff. Well, we've heard people say in the past, I don't know, I know we've not said it, which is why I said, oh, we're going to sound like a flogging a dead horse talking about how kind of interesting the, the European setups can be in comparison to some of those that we see just week in, week out in the PGA tour. But, um, yeah, I mean, some people in the mainstream golf press will say, yeah, everyone wants to go to the PGA Tour, not just because the prizes are so much better, but because the courses are tougher as well, whereas, you know, it's always a low score in Europe. And it's like, well, again, that's just not really the case. The winning score at the Amex was like 23 under par. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we look at we look at Abu Dhabi and it's like, yeah, Thomas Peters is, is, is just about cracked 10 under. Um, and then you roll roll forward to the Dubai Desert Classic and Hovland and Bland have, have shot 12 under. And there's a course that, you know, they've just firmed the greens up, made it a little bit sort of tougher off the tee in terms of growing some of the rough and making it a little bit lusher around the fairways, making it hard to control your ball. And, um, <laughs> you know, those are two of the, the better scores, lower scores I think we've, we've sort of seen on the European Tour recently. And over in America, it's just a bit, I don't know. I'm surprised I'm saying this, but they are great events to watch, aren't they? Every year, I think those little spell of, you know, Rolex events, the DP World Tour um, put on, they're great. They're great. You know, they're, they're much better than watching, like you say, the Amex. They just, you know, head to head, they're just much better events. There's yeah, no and I think it. I think for me as well, like you then, you then fast track to the week we've just gone through and we've had the farmers at Tory Pines and the Dubai Desert Classic. And again, for me personally, I mean, at least the farmers went down to a playoff, which made it relatively interesting, but I didn't enjoy watching the farmers massively. Um, and I really, I mean, that back nine on Sunday at Dubai was incredible. You know, it was such enthralling watching. And the greens, I know like we're firm and fast enthusiasts, but like, I saw a tweet from... Um, from Ramsey come out of uh, come out of this weekend. He said they were the firmest greens he's played on in about thirteen years, and they yeah. couldn't hold a green. Couldn't hold wedges. All. It was no. crazy to see people weren't like people weren't even spinning wedges so that the ball was kind of finishing where it pitched. It was like no, even with a wedge putting you know twelve thousand revs of spin on it from a hundred yards or ninety <laughs> yards, people were there was there was still like one hopping wedges six feet past yeah. where they were landing it. Off the fairway. It seems to be when that happens that you do kind of get this leveling amongst the scores. So Tory was playing a lot firmer, I think, than it has done in previous years. Now, whether there's some continuity of what they did there through the the US Open, I don't know. Mm. Tory was playing firmer. You know, scoring was a little lower than maybe previous years, seemed to be more bunched. Same in Dubai. And it's like 
it, it's so it's it's just an infinitely better product, isn't it, to watch when you've got that surprise of seeing someone play a shot and seeing it take a runoff somewhere or struggling to hold a green from 200 out where they might not be able to get up and down rather than just watching them absolutely shoot it up into the air and land it on a sixpence. It's just a much better product, I think, to watch. I think there was a bit more, though. Like There was a bit more of a spread in Dubai than there maybe was at the Farmers. Um you know, obviously you had Hovland and Bland who went into a playoff. We've got to talk about that because, again, I think there's a really great point to be made about or, or just a discussion point totally about how, how, how DP... Yeah, well, different players, but also how, you know, Richard Bland, the European Tour have kind of made a real story about him over the last, you know, eight mm. months, eight, nine months or whatever since he, he, he you know, picked up his first win um, at the Belfry and that's been mentioned that as a story just kind of been fed and watered. And then you know, lo and behold, he goes and has a really good week this week. And so it just feels like everyone's pulling for Richard Bland at yeah. the same time, like Victor Hovland, we know what a great player he is, but, um, and also just a fantastic kind of temperament and just seems like such a, such a nice character as well for someone who's yeah, that talented like at such really a young nice age. And, and then of course there's Raw in it just like, there's, there's just, it feels like there's a lot more of a, no disrespect to Will Zalatoris or Luke List. I've got nothing against them whatsoever, but I just, it just feels like, you know, the DP World Tour have done a better job of nursing some of the stories there. And so you're just yeah. a bit more engaged with, yeah. with the golf when you're watching it. Um, I think, I think for the longest time, the European or DP World Tour, the European Tour and their PR team have done a phenomenal job of getting better access to the players and you know even that mm. thing like Tyrrell's anger management thing a few years ago you just yeah you get a better understanding you know you get a better sense of their personality and stuff which perhaps in in the PGA they don't have that access because the players are so well known and, and well remunerated and all that stuff they don't need to do all that stuff maybe and the European tour I think they've done a fab job in the last few years of really you know making the players accessible um but like I you say, they, I mean, I, I, I think, think, I think they just watching. do it in a different way, don't they? I mean, I think, you know, the other night, Bruce flipped me the, um, the one yard fairway challenge they set up, which I think was mm. Morikawa, Rory and, and Tyrrell Hatton blasting it down the, the racetrack to a one yard fairway. And it was actually great watchable content. Yeah. It was actually yeah. really good, wasn't it? And you're like, do you know what? They never do anything like that for a no. you know, PGA tour event or whatever it might be. Did you I'm garbage? I'm sorry, the better. PGA tour. But it is, it's just gar- it's so commercial because it's like, you know, that what their idea Rocket mortgage power and precision. Exactly. Look, at this, so, look at this dial go up with, you know, John Rahm hitting a fairway and it's like a you know or, or you see he's you know, let's see what Justin Thomas's heart rate was when he was hitting a six sign with you know with the whoop strap. <laughs> and it's like yeah. I ju- I'm sorry, but I just think that's absolutely garbage content compared to Gubbins. you know, like a reel on the European tour, the DP World Tour social media that you'll see of them trying to do the one yard fairway challenge or as you say, Tyrrell's anger management. Yeah. Did you see the thing they would have polter where they got yeah, all the containers? cargo containers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just far more the engaging. Other night, he's got Shane Lowry and um, Fleetwood down there just trying to hold nine irons under the floodlights. It's like you can watch that for five, ten minutes. Yeah. You can get on board with the people a little bit. And there's not this need to activate, you know, the the sponsor, the tournament sponsor by just ramming it down. So they draft out a vice president to sit there and say, we're really proud. We love having at this event. It's like, bore off. Come on, let's, you know, and, <laughs> and, and you know, I think like you say, you know, credit where credit's due, you know, let's, let's get off our soapbox for a moment and do a tiny bit of dissection. Do we want to start with, um, I think we just oh, let's start with the farmers and we can give it a couple of minutes, uh, basically, because yeah. I just want I just want Bruce to attack Zalatoris's putting strut. I know I'm not going to do a hat. No, come on. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to do a hatchet job. Do you think guy. maybe <laughs> just just playing devil's advocate here? Do you think maybe some of the Zalatoris putting rhetoric is massively amplified because of that one jib he had last year at the or, Open? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And actually, <laughs> I mean, you're saying that as if this is. Oh, I'm not really sure about this. Like, yeah, like absolutely one hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean, the social look media like is a cruel place. Killer, does he? But it, it, he, well, he does okay. from 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 T to yeah, green. Yeah. It's just when he's on the green. So, so, let's, so let's talk a tiny bit of statistics. Um, Zalator is round by round strokes game putting. He was 0.07 negative 0.07 in round one. He was level strokes game putting round two. Round three, he was minus 0.3 strokes game putting. And in round four, he was 
minus 0.8. That's not miles off. Like considering like his strokes gained around the, around mm. everywhere else is so good. He's not he's not like minus ten strokes gained putting and literally can't get count, the ball though. in the hole. Well, no, that mean? just shows you how yeah. unbelievable his long game was that week and yeah. his approach play because um and maybe you can correct her, correct me as the resident Sato here, Mills, but I'm pretty sure, you know, winners, when you actually go ahead and you like not just have a good sort of top 10 finish, but to go and win a PGA Tour event or a DP World Tour event, you're pretty much always in the positives and the black mm. with, with your strokes game putting. And so it's the usually to be, two yeah, or three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two or three, exactly. Maybe on average over the course of the four rounds, which is, which is uh, stacks up. Whereas them to be, I don't know what that adds up to. I didn't, I didn't do the quick maths there, but um, for him to be in in the red there, straight game putting. I mean, if I was him, I'd just be like, "Yeah, my long game approach play coming away from that yeah. is pretty remarkable." Luke uh, Bliss, just... for example, was was one point three positive one point three straight yeah. game putting. That's yeah. good, you know. That's where it needs to be. Really. And, and that's what was it two two and a half shots Russell better than Zalatoris? I don't know something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, he, he was fifty seventh ranked, wasn't he, on the tournament with a putter? So yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, we can the statistics and and, and all yeah. that sort absolute, of jazz, but absolute laser from list on the playoff holder. I think yeah, they were panicking was. about because they because they finished on Saturday because of the NFL. Um, they were they were worrying about light a little bit when it went down the, the playoff. They were like, "Oh, this is going to be tight," and then list just absolutely lasered that wedge in mm. on eighteen. Yeah, spun it back, kicking kicking birdie, and, and yeah. that was that. Yeah. What just a little footnote to this? Very nice to see uh, your lookalike making a, a bit of a yeah. resurgence in the game. I think, although he's, um, he's, he's not going any quicker, <laughs> he's, so he's still J- Jason all day, as they used to call him. <laughs> <Jason> all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he was there. Uh, uh, yeah, he still gives it the um, the eye flutters and the, the imagination and all that stuff, and it's not quick, but he, it is good to see him back. For sure. How yeah. far do you think he could, I mean, do you think you could ever go back to the days of seeing, you know, maybe where he was at in the Giddy Heights when he was... Don't say Giddy Heights, he's got yeah, Don't say that because he literally, when he yeah, was playing yeah. his best, he had a, ver- he had a vertigo. <laughs> well, that was it, wasn't it? Chambers, Chambers Bay, Bay so, yeah. face Really down. poor choice of um, words there, Sam. <laughs> 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 that might be a bit vertigo. When you get to wheel number one, he just had vertigo and that was it. Yeah, he just literally got a nosebleed, like he couldn't go any higher. Um, do, you think you'll, do you think we'll see that? Or do you think it's just too too much of a too much of a an ascent from here? It just depends on the body. I mean, I've not um, followed it all that closely. I know he's been working with Chris Como on his swing just to take some of the pressure off his back, um, and I I seems like that's working. But you never really get the full picture, do you? Unless you're there as part of the team or within that inner circle. Um, certainly, I think if you've got the mental fortitude to get all that weight and world number one and win a major and and um, play at such a high level for quite a decent period of time, then there's no reason why you'd lose that, 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 those mental skills. And he should be able to get back to where he was. It's just whether his body can hold up to it. But what I will say for those of you procrastinating in the office, um, go and check out Jason Day's golf barn on YouTube. Oh, because that's so is, good, isn't and it? Just, or just general golf facility, because that is the most <laughs> aspirational goal setup you've ever seen in your life. It's not even his house. Like you go there, there's this like mega complex. Like, oh, this is, it's like we're watching Cribs. No, it's not Cribs. It's just his, just his golf facility. It's absolutely yeah, golf barn, gym, you know, indoor putting thing, golf net that he hits into. Then he's got like 160 yards outdoors where he's got different greens that are shaped accordingly. And he's got like, you know, open sand with a revetted face in one, like Augusta, absolutely ridiculous. And I so. think from memory, he's got a little yacht thing at the end of it, hasn't he? Because it's a big yeah. lake at the yeah, end man, of it. Yeah, man, this is where we just like take it. If I need to just cool down, I just take my the thing off the jetty and just go and, you know, <laughs> have a few <laughs> beers on the lake. It's like, I don't know why you ever need to calm down in that sort of facility, Jason, but sure. You'd need to calm down. You're far too excited if you got there. Yeah. Okay. Should we address the elephant in the room? <sighs> well, is that, uh, are you talking about? Mm. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Rory. Right. Okay. Yeah. Coming down the stretch, pretty much from the turn, uh, probably from eleven onwards, the eleventh hole onwards, uh, he's in the lead. He's 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 got down to twelve under. Outrageous birdie on eleven, um, and then I got to check that's right now because I think it's eleven, but I'm pretty sure it's an outrageous birdie on eleven, and then he just does not accelerate. 
It's just, it was hard to watch. Did you watch it, uh, Bruce? I did, yeah. It seemed like, it seemed like he was playing okay, really. You know, it is a really hard course, so you're not going to see the birdie fest that you maybe see um, in other events. It's not like someone's going to go out and win it and just take the thing by the scruff of the neck or, you know, all those other expressions we hear and reel off two, three birdies. Um you know, it looked like he was playing pretty solidly, even through even through fifteen. You know, hit a good good iron shot in there. That par three was not playing easy. You know, hit a sensible shot, just sort of twenty feet right. And then you know, he's pulled his drive a little bit off sixteen, but again, hit a really sensible shot in. You know, burnt the edge for birdie. So like, yeah, it looked like he was uh, playing pretty. Uh, what I, what, pretty conservatively. I think, I think the weight on seventeen killed him. Yeah, the it was on the slow. It box. was slow for sure. Seventeen, eighteen, and on was slow. eighteen. Um, but what I would say is, is from 10 onwards, um, he, he, the pretend the par five, he misses the fairway with a three wood. Um, then as you say, down 16, he hits an okay drive, but it's, it's left, um, in the rough manages to get a lovely shot onto the green. He's two putt par. Then he's on 17, you know, massive pull with a driver. 18's <laughs> kind of a block with a three wood, like they're definitely not where he was going. So basically he's not hit a good wood for about nine holes. And then you've got two sixty-seven in over water. To into a hard the pan wind. green that you can't even hold anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been um, reading Hank Haney's book recently. Um, the big miss tiger woods sort of thing. I, and he's talking about Steve Williams and Tiger's sort of strategic stuff. You just can't imagine that he would be allowed at two sixty-seven to pull a three wood. He just would never do it. Like it's, it was a, utterly the wrong shot choice at that time. Bearing in mind, he only needed a par for the playoff, and he was yeah. no way he could hold the green. It was impossible to hold the green from where he was. It wasn't a mistake pulling three wood off the tee, though, really. No, because he can run out. Like the guy does hit it far enough that if he hits, you know, he can hit driver three thirty, three forty, no problem. And if you if you hit a drive, you know, three twenty on the long line, you're in the water basically. Mm-hmm. So I can see why he hit three wood. Like he's come out of it. And obviously because of the shape of the hole, he's left himself longer in. If he'd hit that three wood decently, he probably would have left himself two thirty in perhaps. Yeah. yeah. He, he's put, he's just so I don't mind the three wood really. choice. Yeah. I just think with you, Tom, it's like, oh, is there a bit too much ego in that, in that second shot choice? He's waiting on it as well. So I wonder given that you know, he just jogged my memory there, we were chatting about Abu Dhabi, but like he was going well then in the, in the, in the final round at, at Yas links. And then he's got up on 18 and didn't he smother hooker three wood, like into the, just... in, into the, into the lake left um, with his approach shot into the 18th there. And he's kind of hit the absolute opposite. I don't know whether that's kind of weighing on him a little, weighing on him a little bit. And he so he's hit the absolute opposite sort of weak push into 18 at, at the Emirates. But um yeah, it just seemed like there's maybe a little bit too much sort of I'm going to be the hero here riding on that that final that final well, it was hole. At the, it was at the it was at the Irish Open where he hit that worldy five wood uh, a few years back, and it's just like he's yeah. got to sit down like a sack of spuds from like 300 or something like that. Um, to win you just by feel five like, or something, yeah. But you just feel like I don't know. Does is it the responsibility of Harry Diamond there to step up and say? Nah, like this is categorical. It's not the sensible play because you can't hold the green if you even if you hit it. And if you go long on that green, you're then chipping Back, down a firm green downhill, green, downhill towards, yeah. towards water, which is not impossible. He's Rory McIlroy, of course he can do it. But it was just seemed to be a complete brain fade, really. And he could have won it by laying up. It's just there's almost like a you, you, kind of like there's almost like a defeatism there to laying up. You know In some I mean? ways, it's almost what makes Rory, I think, so, um, I don't know, it's almost likable and the fact that people root for him so much is because like, yeah. you feel like that's a pretty Rory-esque move, what happened there. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I agree with that. I, I, I think it's why imagine, you want to watch it. Like, I don't think if Morikawa was in that situation, that would have played out like that. I just can't see it. Now, okay, it's one golf hole in, over an enormous career span, but it feels like that whole nature with Rory is you spend half the time rooting for him and kind of getting on his shoulders when he's, mm. things are going well, and then you spend the other half the time watching Rory with his neck craned looking up at the sky. And mm. 
in some respects that's almost like what yeah. makes him like that i don't know and I, it's nice to see them go for it, isn't it? I mean, he's, I, he's always been streaky, hasn't he? I don't think he's ever been a sort of clinician yeah. in the way that, you know, people would get annoyed as for as much as people pretend now they're massive Tiger fans, but there are plenty of people out there, certainly like my parents' generation and probably beyond that as well, who, who would say watching Tiger was a bit boring because in that situation, you could just imagine him dumping an iron down there, knocking a wedge onto like 10 feet and then rolling the putt. And it's like, Oh God, yeah, that was so predictable. He's one by one. Whereas with Rory, <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, he's going to give us some excitement here. Oh, he hasn't pulled it off. But you know, yeah. he's just, he's just never, I don't think he's ever had that. And it, I'm not, so this is not really a criticism. I think it's more just an observation of how he plays. I don't think he's ever been the clinician who, plays the percentages he just has absolute flashes of brilliance and then the occasional well, what are you doing there yeah i mean it is the reason that, that we do all love him so much it's, it's just it is very gung-ho and like you say you know if, it, if he'd have laid up chipped on put down would it have been exciting absolutely not um but to watch him blow it like that it was really really hard but let's not take away from you know a, a friend of the pod yeah, uh, unbelievable, really. <laughs> and, our, and, man, um, our man Blandy. Yeah. I mean, that was just an absurd, absurd final round from, uh, from Bland. Really, really was. Absolutely incredible stuff. Like, he just absolutely ground, grinded or ground? He, he grinded his ass <laughs> off. Um, 68 in the final round. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I was shouting at the TV. 66. I was shouting at the TV. Were you rooting for him? Oh, yeah, because yeah, what a story. I mean, you, you know, when he's when he's kind of, okay, he's not hit the best tee shot down 18. I remember I was watching it with my dad and my brother and we were like, don't pull out the word. Surely he's not going to pull out the word. And like, you couldn't <laughs> Shit, see he's got because, the word. <laughs> because the sort of, he was out of the, like his, his lower body and his arms were out of the shot. You know, but he was like looking behind the ball for a long time. We're like, oh no, like he's just spending too long over this. He's probably going to pull a wood. And then you see the iron, you're like, oh, oh, thank God. Yeah, okay, yeah. he's got the iron. And then he's knocked a wedge on. It's like, okay, you know, like he could finish tied third here. He's got 20 feet, but just cozy it down there. And then he rolls it and you're like, oh my God, this is absolutely yeah. incredible scene. Mm. And gave it like the um, Payne Stewart, the full on, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, double yeah, fist. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was brilliant. Like that. That birdie putt down 18 was was insane. And it's almost like the complete opposite of the Rory thing, just going back to it. Like, you're like, he's got so much power, he can get on from anywhere. Like, we're, like I was the same as you going, up, please lay up, please lay up. <laughs> please yeah. lay he's up. just yeah. absolutely on the limit, isn't it? And like, you couldn't think of two, two more, you know, it's, I mean, Hovland maybe leans a bit more on approach than distance, but he's still a much bigger hitter than Blandy. And you think for him to go out and get into that playoff with the limitations around distance around the, the kind of setups, these, you know, that these tournaments are played over is remarkable. And yeah, the fact that, amazing. you know, he really is in the twilight of his career. I know that. Well, he said know, to you on the pod, didn't he, Sam? He's yeah. like, to be honest, I don't really play all that well in the middle East. It's just not the kind of game. My game doesn't really yeah. suit it all Stack that well. Up. Yeah. And obviously, you know, he's also had, he's barely fresh off some surgery. Just had surgery. He had. Uh, just a brilliant story. Absolutely brilliant yeah. story. You know, yeah, um, amazing. Um, would have been, I was so pulling for him though, because obviously it would just unlock exemptions galore, wouldn't it? You know, that's, yeah. the, that's the full calendar ticked off then, you know, that's your real, yeah. Know, but he, but, yeah, happen. he's picked but, up 789,254 euros, <laughs> but 40, 40 cents, cents actually, yeah. to, be, <laughs> to be precise. Not that I'm, I'm, you know, not that I've got the website or anything, yeah. anything like that, but, but, but I mean, that's a brilliant for what a way to sort of start yeah, the yeah. year. And also I must admit, Victor Hovland, I've always thought he's a great bloke and just really enjoy watching him. And he like reaffirmed that belief when, as soon as he came off the green and Tim Bart is there interviewing, he's like, yeah, I'm really sorry there, Tim. I, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> Right it's like here's a guy who's like third in the world i think he is now and plays yeah. most of his golf out in america but he's just not lost touch of, yeah. of some of the storylines that are kind of bubbling away on the on the dp world tour and who blandy is and he's just like what a down-to-earth great bloke but i think one thing you've got to say for for bland as well that was genuinely like heartwarming was in that playoff where he's absolutely nuked a drive and he's faced with like 240 and he's like okay got to go for it have to yeah. go for it bailouts left though so does it bails out left he's pin high 
gets in, gets in, he's in a massive diver, Another and diver all he does again. is look at it and burst out laughing. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, like mm. if that was Tyrrell, you can see the clubs would have been up in the stand and like, yeah. like it'd have been raging, stamping his feet and all sorts. But I just looks at it, just burst out laughing, and it's like, yeah. And then to be fair, it was a great chip, and he, he really should have rolled in that putt. But um, but let's not take away from Hovland's finish which was just absolutely absurd yeah. with the birdie eagle birdie down the, down the stretch was just out of absolutely nowhere. Um, yeah. Three stab 15, Mr. Tiddler on 15, three stabs it, and then rolls in a monster on 16 for birdie, best drive of the day on 17, rolls in a monster for eagle, and then birdie's 18, and then walks off and just going... Yeah, it's not enough. Rory's Rory's already on twelve under. He's going to get the job done. So I'm probably just going to sit here and and watch Rory come in. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Amazing yeah, stuff. It's so, it's so it's refreshing, just, isn't it? Refreshing yeah. honesty. It's Little good. segue. Um, Blandy for Ryder Cup captaincy? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the criteria? Have you got to win X amount? Well, of, have you got? If you haven't played, I don't know. He, he hasn't played in the Ryder Cup. I like there's there's two angles to putting this on the agenda. There's been a bit of few column inches going on on this last few weeks. I think it's worthy of discussion in its own right. I also want to. I feel like I don't want. I've walked past a few times of of throwing national club golfer under the bus. There's some <laughs> absolutely shocking editorial content the last last twelve months or so. But Alex Perry, who writes a lot of their kind of editorial oh God, content. L- loads in another brilliant headline here. Does anyone actually want the European Ryder Cup job? Um, and then seems continues to, uh, Yeah, and then continues to spend a thousand words, essentially just dismantling all the sort of you know great European players over time, whether it's Lee Westwood or or, or Luke Donald or Harrington or whoever, and basically just writing us off for the next sort of four to six years in the tournament, um, which is obviously a principally uh, British-facing publication. Um, I don't think that's the case, do you? Well, there's a huge number of threads here we could pull on. Um, I think I'll, I'll kick it off by saying that um, Podring Harrington, the ex-captain, obviously finished quite well in Dubai, didn't he? Seven under, so he's obviously only five off the pace there. And I, it just got me thinking that I really don't believe that you can be a truly successful captain or give yourself the best chance of success. If you're still harboring those sort of serious ambitions yeah, to play that. at the game at a high level, like, you know, it was a huge storyline last year when Mickelson won the PGA at Kiowa Harrington, I'm pretty sure finished like top five as yeah, well. Yeah, he played great. And I just wonder whether you can really separate yourself in the way that you need to and be as objective and, and, and just ha- be able to sort of stand above the crowd and the, you know, the, your, your, the players who are going to make up your team, like you need to do in a position of authority and leadership as Ryder Cup captain. And um, that's why I think like Lee Westwood's massively premature pick there because <laughs> the yeah. guy's still playing world-class golf and, and can compete at the highest level. I really feel that, you know, some of the most successful captains that, that Europe have had have just been, a little bit more removed from it. Maybe that's not right. I don't know. You know, Monty well, was captain at Celtic Manor, wasn't he, in 2020 and Alathabelle in 2012 and even Langer, if you go back to 04, they were kind of still playing the tours, weren't they? I just wonder, I just wonder well, whether it's time for a bit of change. And that, yeah. that's partly why I couldn't stand the tone of the article because it sort of says, you know, we have, essentially we don't have the strength of players coming through that, you know, the United States would have, well, you know what, that's been the same for 50 years, arguably. Mm. Um, he, and he says, well, maybe that's the reason Westwood, who was nailed on for the job until he withdrew his can- candidacy in November, decided he didn't want it. He knew the job was too big. And unlike Donald, it's, he's guaranteed to captain the team one day should he decide when he's ready. And it's like, well, that's actually, I, 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 it's utter gubbins because I agree. Westwood's teeing it up with, you know, Westwood, you know, is, is still performing at an extremely high level in the sport. And I don't, mm. you know, your skills as a captain in that, I would say, if anything, get better with age. They certainly don't get any worse. Um, yeah. You know, experience is a good thing. So um, I know that's going to get announced soon. Luke Don's the absolute running favourite for it, isn't he? Um, yeah. 
There were some murmurs about Henrik Stenson, which again, I mean, I just found yeah. massively premature. Like he's had a bad couple of years, but um, he also yeah, seems a bit too young. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Like he's not they, far out of it. You know what I mean? Like not like far out of it. it perhaps he's not played that well in the last few years and he's not going to be like, I don't mean far out of it in terms of world rankings, but he's like, you know, he's played in a couple of Ryder Cups ago. He's like only just out of it. And he did a couple of vice captaincies. Like he just seems a bit young for it. There was also some rumors going around that, and uh, you know, this is unsubstantiated conjecture, which you know, we, we excel in. in the jar. We feed off, um, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we love this stuff. That um, actually alignment with Saudi Golf League and, and some of the new, mm. new, fit, new, new tours would preclude him from it. Now, I've got someone who I would absolutely love to see be the Ryder Cup captain. Do you know? It was a smirk on your face. There's going to be someone daft. I don't think it is actually. I think I think he's still really have, I think we'd have a great locker room vibe. I think Ronan Rafferty would be a brilliant <laughs> Ryder Cup captain. <laughs> they wouldn't yeah. be able to get out. They wouldn't. He'd be still giving them the team speech the <laughs> stories, where they should be teeing off. The stories in that locker room would just amp you up for days. Like I would go on. I'd go onto that first tee just so charged. <laughs> I tell you yeah, what, the, it's, the it's staff, interesting. The staff staff there's a of truth in this. There is a kernel of truth in it that actually someone like Rafferty has got such an amazing experience in the game, so much, so much wisdom to draw off, and and actually, you know, needing to constantly cycle down to the younger, more you know, I don't want to say the term relevant, but you know, I'm a relevant ex-European tour player. You know, but I think it's strange that certainly in Europe, it seems that they don't give captain's a chance to you know give it a couple of goes it's like now it's almost as if we're in a rhythm of you do one go captaincy and then that's it and you sort of dine out on that forever and it's like paul mcginley clearly dines out on a lot of the sort of stories of his successful Ryder cup captaincy and getting people like alex ferguson in and all these great minds in sport and looking beyond just golf and it is brilliant hearing him sort of reveal all of that. But at the same time, I'm like, get back in the arena. Like yeah, you are really good. Yeah. You, you've got a really yeah. good go at that. Go back in the arena and go and do it on foreign soil as well or something. Like yeah, just yeah. really just, just test your metal there. I don't know why it has to just be a one hit wonder. I'm pretty sure. I think it seems to me that the Americans are, are a bit more willing to do that. I feel yeah. like I want to say Davis love obviously, you know, had that massive Sunday swing going against him at Medina in 2012, but then did he come back and captain the U S team in 2016 at Hazeltine? I think. Yeah. And they've got um, the president's cup dynamic. They did. The they did. Yeah. So that always gives it, there's more kind of team dynamic to manage yeah. and some stuff there. I think, um, but whereas the Europeans is like, okay, you, you've got to go probably a, a decent way back to the, is it the likes of Bernard Gallagher? Mm. Um, who was who was you know did the captaincy a few times? Maybe that's as far as you got to go back to think about Europeans who have had a couple of runs at the captaincy. Um, Do you know how many times Walter Hagen was a U.S. Ryder Cup captain? <laughs> go on, <laughs> six times. Yeah, that's that's the commitment. I like that. Um, but here's an interesting one for you. What do you think the average age of um, European? captains has been this century let me guess you've looked this up i'm looking at it i'm looking at um, in fact this what i'm century. looking at is the so, so since the 2000 what is um now it's it's a lot younger younger than 52 yeah which i was surprised See, that's at. insane so, a lot of the guys you know yeah i mean this, you know, they just seem old now 49 this week isn't he or something you know Westwood's. sam torrance 49 bernard langer 47 uh, Langer's good enough to play half the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wusnam forty-eight, Faldo fifty-one, Montgomery forty-seven, uh, Jose Maria Olazaba forty-six, Paul McGinley forty-seven, Darren Clark forty-eight, Thomas Bjorn forty-seven, and Padraig Harrington fifty. So they're all late forties. Mm. So taking that into account, mm. perhaps we're just being a bit. Yeah, I don't, can't believe I'm going to say this, but I wonder whether I do need to walk back my earlier remarks about um, Harrington being, because obviously if you go on the basis of age, which isn't just a fair, fair metric of looking at it, but he's one of the older ones there. Uh, it just seems to me that he's a lot more invested in his own golf game than maybe some of the others were at that point in their careers. Mm. Um, yeah. 
I, I personally, I think get McGinley to do it again. It is on home soil. I would prefer to see him really go and like sort of test out his his ability in America because I just think you know when you you get someone who's been such a fantastic captain, um, get him to do it again. You know, interesting. It'll be interesting to see when it comes out. It should have been announced by now, but uh, it should have been announced in the week of the Abu Dhabi, I believe. But um, we're still waiting. Probably going to be Lou Donald, isn't it? If we're going to put our money mm. somewhere, but. I think um, I think it'll be interesting to see what sort of captain he'll be like if he does get it because it doesn't seem you know overly garrulous. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not the Sam Williams of the group. Let's put it that way. So it'll be uh, interesting to see what he can uh, come up with. But we, <coughs> excuse me, we've got a final bit of news I think before we tie off, and this is um, the shark. Mm-hmm. Um, the shark's gone crazy. Let's, yeah, um, Sam, this is right up your alley of wild conjecture, speculation, and just soundbite, clickbait. Just go for it. Oh, it's, it's emerging news, isn't it? But they've announced today that there's a 10, 10 event thread on the, on the Asian tour, which the Saudi Golf League obviously purchased as part of um, establishing themselves and getting a stronger foothold in the game because Asian tour gives them the rights to award things like official world golf ranking points. Um so they seem to have announced a ten a, a ten ten event thread. One of those we played at um, in England in Centurion Club. Um, looking at the prize purses, they're not they're not blockbuster. You know, these are doesn't look like amounts that you know are, are genuinely going to take on the the kind of the, the big PGA Tour. How much are we talking? Purses. I, I think most of them two are guaranteed bucks. prices. Yeah, two, three, four million bucks. Um, the over about four, yeah. So obviously, that's, yeah, that's nothing. It's, it's I, I, nothing compared no, so, to the ten million of the Rolex series and the big PJ Tour one. That is. So I think there's a little bit in here, which is probably around you know the fact that it's Saudi Golf League and it's some news, and that's why it's going to grab some headlines. I don't think it mm. is like these are ten events and crikey, you know, <laughs> you start getting yourselves in Centurion because you're going to see, <laughs> you know, you're going to see them all team it up there. I just, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Clearly, it is going to be centred around, you know, you know, Asian Asian countries as well. So you've got a lot going on uh, in terms of that. Now, um, look, I, I, I didn't see the the press release. You know, Jeff Shackelford's usually got his finger on the pulse on this stuff, and, <laughs> and, uh, and he absolutely doesn't disappoint with a um, a pretty funny dissection of events uh, in the quadrilateral. But um, yeah, it just it, it kind of I think the overall sentiment from it was, yep, there's ten events launched. I don't think they're game changers in terms of the purses. Clearly, the the locations will um, will be a little bit kind of more far out. You've got places like Thailand on there, um, you know, where it's going to, you know, hopefully, you know, different course, different setup, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but I suspect it's a little bit more. Get to make sure we've got an announcement out before the before the event we've got there this week. That would be my yeah. take on it. I, I think that would be reading between the lines. Um, there and, is... and of course, you talk about you know getting some news and generating some headlines for the event at, at Royal Greens. Um, what do you make of the the spokesman there, Sam, who's who's been sort of doing the, the sort of press obligations for the Saudi Golf League? I can't wait for this. Who, Greg Norman, the shark? Yeah, yeah, the shark, Greg Norman. Well, <laughs> I mean, you told me you you told me you were giving a verbatim with with accent. Well, no, I'm not. I'm definitely not doing with accents. I mean, my voice is far too hoarse um, when we're recording this. But I mean, the guy's a showman, isn't he? Like, he seems like he's always had that. I mean, look, what what misses from from this is is some great bit of context that Jeff puts put put into his newsletter. But I, I'd love the bit that in here gets a bit of a description where. Basically, he's just using this to grandstand about his own career and what he's doing and his involvement. And there's this, you know, it's this dreadfully arrogant view of the the fact that he's almost now controlling golf. Like, you know, he's kind of sat above the RNA on all this. But <laughs> this little bit, he's kind of waxing on anyway about the events. And uh, anyway, it goes on to say, so after a whole bunch of stuff about growing his design business in Asia uh, and the game in Asia, the moderator tried to reel Greg Norman in, but he just went back to more money and Greg talk. 
This is verbatim. Like I mentioned in my opening remarks, 60% of all golf course construction is happening in this region. I've seen it in Vietnam. I've seen it in Japan. I've seen it everywhere we go. And if you see the investment dollars, the foreign direct investment money moving in, golf is an ind economic indicator without question. So when you know there's an economic indicator showing what's happening in the Middle East, I built the first grass golf course in Jordan. <laughs> then I built a golf course in Oman. So you see it's the growth of what's going on through the Middle East and you go, thank you. One, for being involved with it. Two, thank you for my business for being involved with it. I mean, what a dreadfully <laughs> arrogant statement that is. I, Are I you sure that is verbatim? That is Greg verbatim. Norman. That's and not I, and, some of the famous yeah. Shaq satire. That is, and I that could is. have said it in any way and there is no way you could misconstrue the context of that. I mean, it's just... It's remarkable. But then, you know, when you, when you look on, uh, look at the Sharks Instagram presence, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's fairly commensurate not, with that. Not, not unexpected. <laughs> yeah. He was the guy who, many years ago, um, just, just stripped Stark Bollock naked, didn't he, for Golf Digest and started hitting, yeah. bunker, started hitting bunker shots. Um, you know, they kind of need in, this in that though, don't they, to grab the headlines, <laughs> I mean, don't it's they? Quite it's quite remarkable. Yeah. You need the front man like that because if yeah, you just take, he's yeah, perfect you, for it. Exactly. If you bring in the grey gray suit person X to do some of this stuff, you know, I don't think those 10 events are going to be game changers, are they? So you stick the shark up and get him absolutely out yeah. to give him a few Red Bulls before he goes on stage. <laughs> and this is what you get. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not sure they're going to be game chasers at events, but but no, I mean it's in, it is great fodder, isn't it, for the podcast? And just just I mean, yeah, we'll be interested to see where it goes. I'm sure we're going to hear plenty more discussion around that topic over the next week or so with uh, with DJ looking to go for three in a row. Is it at Royal Greens yeah. in Saudi Arabia? Well, they've given the players the exemption to, to they've given them the pass, haven't they? Um, you know, again, the the speculation on the street is that the Singapore Open, Singapore International, I forget which one, that's going to be the one which is really going to force the PGA's hand when it comes to permission rights to play in it. Because mm. obviously that's, that's co-sanctioned. Well, no, because it's not an event that's got precedent. So whereas before the Saudi, um, Saudi event at Royal Greens was a European tour event, whereas it's now part of Saudi Golf League. So right. there was precedent there to say the players could go and play for these sick appearance fees. Singapore's not really been the mainstay of, you know, Jordan Spieth or you know, Dustin Johnson's playing calendar. So um will be interesting. Yeah, very. Um just finishing off, I think credit where credit's due. For the a lot of that information was lifted from uh, Jeff Shackerford's newsletter, the quadrilateral. If you are not a subscriber, please do go over because he does give brilliant uh, newsletters. Most weeks, I think every week, uh, and it's Couple always week, a good yeah, read. Quality. Yeah. And uh, some sit behind the paywall. Yeah, very, very good. But uh, make sure you go across and subscribe to that because he does give some really interesting takes on a lot of the stuff here. And uh, consider we were aiming for a short, sharp thirty. I think we've gone for a short, sharp sixty. But it's uh, it's all been really interesting stuff to uh, to chat with you guys. And um, that can be the title of the pod, Bruce. The pithy sixty. Mm. <laughs> Seriously, pithy. Vigor, I don't think we've been pithy yeah definitely <laughs> but thank you very much for listening do stay tuned for next week because we have the inaugural guest eclectic 18 and if you've been listening intently i'm sure you would have seen that hints have been dropped on this podcast but thank you very much for listening indeed and until next time goodbye adios watch this 